0: Okay, praise the Lord. Hey, let's start here in John chapter 6, and we've been talking about, you know, if you look at the history of the Bible, you know, whatever, I mean, it's laid out beautifully in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But anyway, uh, uh, then you find out that, uh, you know, you, you, later on after the flood, and the it, it ha- flood happens pretty quick in the 6th chapter, and then by the end of the 11th chapter, you have a genealogy that shows you that Abraham was born, okay? Abraham was the son of Tehor, Tamor or whatever like that. and uh, But anyway, in Lamech, you can see that at the end of the 11th chapter. Then, it's, then all of a sudden it's Abraham. Well, what do we know from Abraham? Well, he is the father of many nations, of course. But he's also, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's kids are the children of Israel. Whatever. So anyway... And then later on, you see, after they wind up coming out from under Pharaoh, uh, all of a sudden, they start having the nation of Israel. Okay, you hear about that. And then But most of us have been schooled about Jesus, which is great. We hear more about Jesus than we've heard much of the stories in the Old Testament. But anyway, it's all about uh, God's... Um, You could see the the nation of Israel, and you keep thinking, you hear the word kingdom and king and whatever. So we're going to bump back just a little bit, starting all the way back here, and we're going to see a little thing that happened here when Jesus fed the 5,000. So let's start here. I'm in the Living Bible, John chapter 6, and he just fed the 5,000. Okay, you can see here if you watch closely, Philip says, it's going to take a fortune to feed these people. Anyway, Jesus feeds them. Okay, gather up the scraps, we see there's nothing left over. There's 12 baskets. Now look at this. When the people realized what a great miracle had happened, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Well, that's because the prophecies, you can read them for yourself in your reading of your Bible. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and all those little prophets, you'll find out. They even give details. One of them uh, I was looking at this morning. Uh, I want to call it Habakkuk, but it's not. But anyway, one of them says, your king's going to be born... In Bethlehem. Hello. That's what made Herod so mad. Herod turned to the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 2 and said, because it bothered him that the wise men showed up and said, hey, where's the king at? We saw his star in the east. And Herod Herod panicked. And so did the rest of the people in Jerusalem. And Herod called in the Pharisees and said, where's this this child supposed to be born? And they said, well, uh, the scripture says it's in Bethlehem. Wow. Well, that's what happened. Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. But anyway, so here we are. So now the people said, this guy is surely, he's the prophet we've been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take him and force him to make him their king. Look what he did. He went higher into the mountains alone. He just dodged them. Well, what an opportunity. Well, his brothers wanted him to do this, but that's not what Jesus wanted to take place. I mean, he was a king. Now, let's go pick up a little bit in the 18th chapter before you get to when Jesus is standing before Pilate. And if you'll remember, this little story took place before Pilate. Okay, so let me get down here to it. They come get him. He's at Annas' house here. There's Caiaphas. And all of a sudden, we get down here to Pilate. Here's Pilate, verse 33. This is John 18. Then Pilate went back into the palace, called for Jesus to be brought. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, king, as you use the word, or as the Jews use it. Jesus has. Pilate's getting put out. Remember, if you've seen some details, maybe killing Jesus recently in the last few weeks. It's been on TV. I mean, this was a very... I mean, Pilate didn't want to deal with the Jews. He didn't want to do Because this was Passover time. There were people from all over the world. Throngs of people. They did not have the military to take care of this crowd. This was a scary situation here. So Pilate says, am I a Jew? Notice how the Living Bible, they pull it out. Retorted. He's angry. But now he knows Jesus is also innocent here. Your own people and their chief priests brought you here. What have you done? And Jesus said, uh, "Oh, oh!" Jesus then answered, I am not an earthly king. No, wait a minute. He didn't say he wasn't a king. He said, I'm not an earthly king. I'm not an earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought when I was arrested by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom, oh, 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 my kingdom is not of this world. And, of course, you remember the rest of the story here. Now, I want us to go back. Let's pick up starting at the front end of when a lot of this stuff took place. This is just a few years before uh, King David. We're going to start here at Samuel, but we're going to go to Samuel chapter 2. Samuel is already born. Oh, matter of fact, Hannah's his mother. She's excited because she was just like you and I. You could have a problem in your life, whether it's at work or financial or whatever it is. She and her problem, chapter one, she couldn't have any kids. And she was being taunted by another woman in her family. Her husband had two wives. And the other woman in the family was saying, hey, hey mom, our husband loves me more than you because I can have kids and you can't. She was tormented by it. But anyway, she asked the Lord for a child and God gave her a child. She named him Samuel, which meant asked of God. Now she is having a fit here going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Notice what she says. The Lord has solved my problem and he'll solve anyone of yours too. But let's pick up with some history here. So here we go. So they returned home without Samuel. Now you got to understand Samuel is a little bitty kid. His mother, every year, would make him an Ephoth, which actually, basically, we'll just call it a Methodist robe. I mean, I grew up Baptist, and i never seen the Baptists, except for the choir members, wear robes. But other churches, they wear robes and stuff, symbolizing they're working for the Lord. Well, that's what they had in the Old Testament. These fellows that worked in the temple, they had robes. So anyway, but she left Samuel. And notice this, and he's called, the child became the Lord's helper, and he assisted Eli, the priest. Alright, now the sons of Eli, let's watch what was happening, were evil men who didn't love the Lord. What's going on? And these guys worked in the temple. Look what they were doing. It was their regular practice to send out a servant when anyone was offering a sacrifice. And while the flesh of the sacrificed animal was boiling, the servant would put in a three-pronged flesh hook into the pot and demand whatever is brought up to be Eli's sons. Now God had already said when you brought a lamb or an ox or whatever, a certain portion belonged to the priest and the levites, it did. These guys were greedy. They said, "Let's make it like the lottery." While it's boiling, we'd just stick in a three-pronged hook, you're going to grab everything in there. And they were they they added to what God had already said, this is what they're supposed to do. Look what else they did. They treated all the Israelites in this way when they came to Shiloh to worship. Sometimes the servant would even come even before the rite of burning let's see. Sometimes the servant would come even before the rite of burning the fat on the altar was performed, and he would demand raw meat before it was boiled so that it could be used for roasting. These were violations. Verse 16 If a man uh, offered a sacrifice, replied, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned, as the law requires, the servant would say, No, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very great in the eyes of the Lord. They treated the people's offering to the Lord with contempt. Now watch what else was going on. Well, here we're gonna talk about Samuel just a moment. Samuel, though, was only a child. He was the Lord's helper. He wore a linen a little linen robe, just like the priest. Boy, how cute. Each year, his mother made him a little coat, just like I said, and was brought to him when she came with her husband for sacrifice. Now, you can imagine this little guy. But now, listen, she promised the Lord. She said, if you give me a son, I'll give him to the Lord. Now, you can tell what's going to happen here. When you give, you get back. Now, she loved this little boy, and she kept coming, and she knew him. And he wound up being a great person, and it wasn't like she didn't have contact with him. She did. But if you'll notice in the next few scriptures, because she gave her son to the Lord, she had a whole house full. Look at this next verse. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and Hannah, that's the two wives, and ask God to give them other children to take the place of this one the Lord had given. And look at this. Notice the word Hannah. Wow. And the Lord gave Hannah three sons and two daughters. Can you imagine what's going on in the heart of this woman? She knows who God is. And she's not going to trade off for these other idols and stuff. Because she was broken hearted in chapter 1 and she found out how to fix that. It was the Lord. Now let's get back to Eli. Now remember, he's the high priest. Eli was now very old and he was aware of what was going on around him. For instance, he knew, look at this thing. His sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Now he got harlotry and all this kind of stuff going on. Anyway, he tries to challenge him. I've been hearing these terrible reports from the Lord's people. What you're doing, Eli told his sons. It's an awful thing to make the Lord's people sin. Ordinary sin receives heavy punishment. But how much more the sin of this is yours that's been committed by the Lord. But they wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was planning to kill them. Okay. Now, uh, little Samuel was growing up in two ways. He was getting taller and becoming everyone's favorite. He was also the favorite of the Lord's too. Now what's the difference? Samuel's following the Lord. You know, this is just black and white. One day a prophet came to Eli and he gave him this message. He said, didn't I demonstrate my power when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt? Uh, Passover. Yeah, we got out. Remember all that? Didn't I choose your ancestors, Levi, from all among all his brothers to be my priest and to sacrifice on my altar? And anyway, basically he's going to say, but you guys are making clowns of yourself. And anyway, you're being greedy and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, he, sa- he goes on to say, your sons are going to die. You're going to be all overrun. That's what's going to happen. Anyway, he says, I'm going to put an end to your family. Nobody's going to serve as priest. Every member will die before his time. None shall live to be old. Now, wait a minute. Well, what about us? You know, only the good die young. Why does the scripture always tell us, you know, that we're supposed to be living long? And why do they point out something about... oh. Uh, Not living to be old. Because you have the Lord's promise. Honor your father and mother to be well with you and you'll live long. It's called the first commandment with promise. But we find it, we kind of call it the first obligation. And we think later on, because maybe car wrecks or something or whatever, we worry ourselves silly, we think something's going to happen to us. No. And don't worry if you didn't honor your father and mother. you still got Jesus. He honored His Father for you. He died for your sins. It's never too late. But anyway... But he says, You will envy the prosperity I give my people. Oh, you mean God's going to give us prosperity? Hello, yes, He will. Boy, it's all over the scriptures. But anyway, He says, You're not going to get involved in it. They're going to be in distress and need. Not one of them will live out His days. Now, remember, we're not Eli in that family. What about us? Oh, I remember Moses saying this when he got the children of Egypt, Israel, out of Egypt. He told him, He said, The number of your days I will fulfill. That's, that's Exodus chapter 22. A promise. He says, but those that are left are going to live in sadness and grief. Well, i got sadness and grief now. Well, you should hit your knees in prayer. That should be gone. We should be the happiest people ever. Their children are going to die by the sword. What if I get shot? Our nation... You're not going to die by the sword. Do you see the parallel between you and these crazy kids? And to prove that I have said this will come true, I'll cause your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to die on the same day. Now listen, they had this coming to them, okay? He said, then I'm going to raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do whatever I tell him to do. Now you think about Jesus a second. And this guy's a prophesying. Who's he talking about? I'll bless his descendants. His family shall be priests to my kings forever. Then all of your descendants shall bow before him. And he says, begging for money and food. Please, they will say, give me a job among the priests so that I can have enough to eat. I tell you, that's about Jesus and about you right there. Let's carry on. Next familiar chapter. Meanwhile... While Samuel was helping the Lord by assisting Eli, watch what happens here. Messages from the Lord were very rare in those days. Well, it wasn't God's fault. Can you imagine going to the temple? You're trying to bring your sacrifice. and As soon as you get there, they go, well, you don't really need to give. Hey, hey, and you got two cows? Don't bring your good cow up here. Bring your bad cow. God spoke through one of the prophets and he said, you try to do that to the governor. I mean, to the king. He says, I'm so mad at y'all. You're supposed to bring a spotless lamb and you would bring the one that's got three legs. He said, and the Lord spoke and he says, try to do that to the king. See what he thinks about that. Oh, yeah, just give me your crappy stuff. No, uh-uh. But anyway, so anyway, so it was rare in those days. One night, Eli had gone to bed. He was almost blind now with age. Samuel was sleeping in the temple near the ark. Now, get the picture. And I know you've heard this story several times. Or maybe if you hadn't, build your picture in your own mind. We've got a wonderful ability to do this while I'm sharing this. So he's sleeping in the temple near the ark. What's the ark? You know, it's a place. They had the, it's a, uh, uh, It was a gold box. And it had the manna in it. It had the, uh, a rod that budded. Anyway, notice this. The Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He jumped up and ran. And he went to Eli. <laughs> but it was the Lord that called him. So now Eli's asleep. And so this little fella runs to Eli. Here I am. What do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Let's see what happens. Then the Lord called again. Samuel. Now remember this guy. it couldn't be more than five years old. Probably four years. It's a little robe, okay? And couldn't you imagine when you came to the temple and, and, and you know Hophni and Phinehas and you love the Lord and you're going, oh no, but all of a sudden you're next in line and who is it? It's this little kid. Hey, how you doing? And Samuel would say, yeah. What are you bringing to the Lord? And you say, well, I'm bringing this goat. Because I want to honor the Lord, and I want Him to bless my family. And what would Samuel do? I got you. You you would just fall apart. That's the reason he said he was the Lord's favorite, and he was the people's favorite. Now this little kid's trying to sleep in there next to the ark, okay? And he hears the Lord saying, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli and says, hey, uh, do you want me? So anyway, so he says, go back to bed. Samuel had never had a message from Jehovah before. So now now I want to tell you a little little, let's jump ahead about 30 years. Samuel is the one that anointed David. He said, You're gonna be the king. After he already looked at Jesse's other boys, surely the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said, No. Uh, surely the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said, No. And finally, Samuel said, Have you got any more kids? And Jesse says, Well, I got one son, but he's back there. He's a little kid, he's back with the sheep. And Samuel says, go get him. <laughs> this is that Samuel, okay? This is the reason this book is called Samuel. It's two books about this guy. So anyway, so anyway, Samuel had, uh, he never had a message from the Lord before. So now the Lord called the third time. Once more, Samuel jumped up. Uh, well, anyway, no, I skipped a part here. So he, the Lord called him again, Samuel, and he jumped up and he ran to Eli. Eli, he, he asked, what do you need? No, I didn't call you. Going back to bed. Samuel never had a, a message from the Lord before. So now the Lord called the third time. Once more, Samuel jumped up. He ran to Eli, his boss. Hey, boss. What do you need? Eli realized it was the Lord who had spoken to him. Oh, we don't believe this stuff. This is fairy tale stuff. Man, this is not fairy tale stuff. The Lord warned uh, Mary and Joseph when Jesus was born. Remember that story? Matthew chapter 2. Herod wanted all those babies killed. Well, the Lord was way ahead of it. An angel told told Joseph in a dream, he says, hey, get the child out of here. Take him to Egypt because they're trying to kill him. He took him out, warned him, the Lord take care of you too. So anyway, so Eli realized it was the Lord who spoke to the child. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls again, say what? Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Wouldn't it be nice if God would talk to us? Where have we been? The Lord will talk to you. If you'll just ask him, Psalm 34, commit your way to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. Tell the Lord, act like Samuel's mother. And the Lord came and called as before Samuel, Samuel, look what he did. He said that he learned from Eli. Now Eli had some good stuff, but he would also, the bad thing Eli had going for him is he wouldn't stop his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, whatever his name Those two, these two sons, he wouldn't restrain them. And the Lord said, I'm going to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to do all the dreadful things I warned Eli about. I have continually threatened him and his entire family with punishment because of his sons are blaspheming God and he doesn't stop them. Now what's interesting here was God had been trying. He'd been trying to tell him and he'll tell us too if we're blowing it. Problem was people, some people won't repent. Thank God we will. So anyway, watch what happens. I think this is kind of humorous. Remember, he's a little short fellow. Okay, so I vowed that the sins, that God says this, of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice and offering. So anyway, Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then opened the doors of the temple as usual. Wow, he was a door opener. But he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord said to him. Now watch how smart Eli is. I think this is funny too. So anyway, remember Eli knew it was the Lord. He said, my son, what did the Lord tell you? Tell me everything, and may God punish you if you hide anything from me. (laughs) The King James says, whatever was going to happen to me, may it come on you. (laughs) And boy, I tell you, Samuel just let it all out. So Samuel told him everything the Lord said. It's the Lord's will, Eli said. Let him do whatever he thinks is best. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and the people listened carefully to his advice. All Israel, from one end of the land to the other, knew Samuel was going to be a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord began to give message to him there at the tabernacle in Shiloh, and he passed them on to the people of Israel. All right, here we go. Let's advance and see what happens. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. Now, remember what they've been doing. They're not worshiping the Lord. They're already involved in idol worship. They think you can do whatever you want to with God. Anyway, so watch what happens. They were camped near Ebenezer, the Philistines at Apak. In other words, Arab, and Boaz, whatever. The Philistines defeated Israel, killing 4,000 of them. After the battle was over, the army of Israel returned to their camp. Their leaders discussed why the Lord had let them get defeated. Oh, hello, wake up. I know. Let's just bring the ark over there. That's not enough. They said, if we carry the, the ark into battle with us, then the Lord will be among us and He'll surely save us from our enemies. So they took the ark of the Lord of heaven Uh, who was enthroned above the angels. You read about the story, how it was designed and everything. And here's Hophni and Phinehas. Okay. The sons of Eli accompanied into battle. When When the Israelis saw the ark coming, their shout for joy was so loud, it could almost shake the ground. What's going on, the Philistines said. What's all the shouting about in the camp of the Hebrews? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord arrived, they panicked. God's in their camp, they cried out. Woe to us. We've never had to face anything like this before. Now, why were they scared? They heard what the Israelis had did to Egypt. Of course, it was God. But now Israel's committing all these terrible sins. And anyway, they said, who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? See, boy, that's a plus for us. I mean, ain't nobody going to get us out of trouble like our God can, and he will. These were the bad guys saying, we're in trouble now. And yeah, just like I said, they are the same gods that destroyed Egypt with plagues. See, the email went out. They knew about it. And notice the Philistines says, fight as you've never fought before, O Philistines, or we're going to be their slaves. So look what they did. So the Philistines fought desperately and Israel was defeated again. 30,000 Israelis died that day and the remainder fled in their tent. Look at this. And the ark of God was captured and Hophni and Phinehas were killed. Yikes. Now remember, that's because these guys, the man, they were, they were, Aaron lost his two sons on the first day. His two sons thought, hey dad, I got a new idea. I know we're supposed to burn some incense, but I like that incense they got down in Egypt for the sun god. And they walked in there and tried to burn that incense that was not holy and they were killed. But anyway, a man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battle and arrived at Shiloh the same day. His clothes were torn and dirt on his head. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle. His heart trembled for the safety of the ark. See, Eli was a high priest and he's going, oh no, oh no. As the messenger arrived from the battlefield, he told what happened. A great cry arose through the city. What's all the noise about? Eli asked. And the messenger rushed over to Eli and told him what happened. Now notice this. Here's a data point. Eli was 98 years old and he was blind. Why do we have the details? Because these things actually happened. But I like to point out something else. You know, Eli wasn't all bad. You know, he got himself in trouble later on when he wouldn't stop his kids. He still lived to be 98 years old. Well, I wonder if I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> we well, keep on wondering if you're not going to read your Bible and find out the Lord will take care of you. But the Lord will take care of you. Yeah, but what if I fall off a ladder? You're not going to fall off a ladder. If an axe head can swim, praise the Lord. Well, what if my plane goes down? You're going to survive, praise the Lord. And we just have it all figured out because we don't think there's a God. You've got to quit doing that. Well, I don't know how. Don't figure out how. Just remember, all things are possible. And it's not, well, they, they can be all uh, not possible. I mean, it, you know, they can be possible, but it doesn't mean that they will be possible. No, it means they will for you. You've got to choose and say, praise the Lord, God's going to take care of me. So anyway, back to the story. He said, man, let me tell you, Eli, Israel was defeated. Hophni and Phinehas were killed and the ark was captured. When the message mentioned what had happened to the ark, now remember what's going on. As soon as he heard the bad news, Eli fell back from his seat beside the gate. His neck was broken by the fall and he died for he was old and fat. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. Wow. Now guess what? Here's something you probably have heard, didn't remember the story. Eli's daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, when she was pregnant, her the ark had been captured and that her husband, father-in-law was dead, her labor pain suddenly began. So now she's in labor. Here we go. Just before she died, the women who were attending her told her that everything was all right. Hey, everything's going to be all right. The baby's a boy. She did not reply or respond anyway. Then she murmured, the name of the child shall be called what? Ichabod. We hear that in our American culture today. We hear people say, well, Ichabod, buddy. you know, And that means the glory is departed. What does it say? Yeah, for glory. Israel's glory is departed. Oh, yes, yeah, the Lord's fault. No, it's not. Ichabod means there is no glory. She named him this because the ark had been captured and because her husband and her father-in-law were dead. Well, hey, wait a minute. We're supposed to take the bad with the good. No, we are not. Jesus said the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy There's not supposed to be any Ichabod in our lives. Now, she's sorrow of heart, but she also knew her husbands were messing around with those cute chicks down in their church, you know. So she knew what was going on. It all went belly up. Now, let's see how we get all this back. Watch this. The fifth chapter. Now, remember Samuel's growing up. The Philistines took the ark of God. From the battleground at Ebenezer to the temple of the idol Dagon in the city of Ashdod. Okay? So they took it to Birmingham or whatever. They took they took the Ark of the Covenant. But when the local city and citizens went to see it in the next morning, look at this. Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of of Jehovah. Just think of a totem pole. This thing was some sort of idol. And they thought, well, we got the Israelis God. We stuck him right there, that box with the sheriff of the the, the, you know the the angels around it. And they stuck him in the next morning when they got up. Their God had fallen over on his, <laughs> over on his face. Well, what would they do? But the next morning, they, did, they set him up again. The next morning, they did. Uh, it happened the same thing. The idol fell on his face before the ark again. This time, his head and hands were cut off and <laughs> were laying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That's why to this day the priest of Dagon, nor his worshipers, will walk on the threshold of the temple of Dagon in Ashdod. Okay. The Lord began to destroy the people of Ashdod and the nearby villages with a bubonic plague. Now remember what that was. That was born by rats. Look what happened. When the people realized what was happening, they said, We can't keep the ark of God of Israel here any longer. We'll all perish along with our God Dagon. Uh, So they called a conference of all the mayors, the five cities of the Philistines, how they could dispose of the ark. The decision was to take it to Gath. But when the ark arrived at Gath, the Lord began destroying the people young and old. With the plague, there was a great panic. So they sent the ark to Ekron, but the people of Ekron saw it coming. They cried out, they're bringing the ark here. They didn't want it there. So they summoned the mayors again and they begged them to send the ark back to its country, lest the entire city die. For the plague had already begun. Great fear was sweeping across the city those who didn't die were deathly ill and there was weeping everywhere. Now what's going on here? Remember these people that don't know God are trying to touch the ark, trying to do something with it? Chapter 6, the ark remained in the Philistine country for seven months at all. Then the Philistines called the priest and the diviners and asked them, what can we do about the ark? What sort of gift shall we send them to return it to its own land? Now part of the plague that was affecting them, the King James will tell you, it was uh, 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 hemorrhoids. Yikes. Yeah, everybody's breaking out with hemorrhoids. Now, you can figure that one out, okay? Yes, send it back with a gift, they were told. Send a guilt offering so that the plague will stop. Then if it doesn't, you'll know God didn't send the plague upon you after all. What guilt offering should we send? And they said, well, send five golden models of the tumor. King James will say hemorrhoids. Can you imagine that? A gold hemorrhoid. I mean, remember, these are pagan people. They don't know nothing. And they're trying I mean, people are being killed everywhere. And then notice what else? And then five gold models of the rats. That's the bubonic plague that was in the uh, uh, same thing we had in, uh, in London at that time. Killing a lot of people in Great Britain. Born of rats. So they made five, you know. I'll just show you. Watch this. That's verse 4. Let's put it in King James. Uh, yeah. They go five golden hemorrhoids. That's hemorrhoids is what that is. <clears throat> you go look it up yourself. But anyway, that's, that's exactly what that stuff is. And then make five golden rats. Okay. Uh, so the models of the tumor, uh, let's see and five, and five models of the five excuse me, five models canceled. Five models of the rats that ravaged the whole land, the capital cities, villages alike. If you send these gifts, uh, uh, let 's see, then praise the, and, and then praise the God of Israel. perhaps he will stop persecuting you and your God. don't be stubborn and rebel, rebellious as Pharaoh and the Egyptians were. Now, how come they 're so smart to know that? Listen, there's only one God. Nebuchadnezzar figured this out too. He figured out, you know, there ain't but one God. Okay. They wouldn't let Israel go until God had destroyed them with dreadful plagues. Now build a new ark, I mean a new cart, hitch it by two, with two cows that just had calves. Cows that never been yoked. Shut the calves away from them in a barn. Place the ark on the cart beside a chest containing the rats and the tumors. Let the cows go wherever they want. If they cross the border of Ireland and go back to Beth Shemesh, then you'll know it was God who brought this evil upon us. If they don't and come back to their calves, we'll know the plague was just simply a coincidence. Anyway, so they did what they said they were going to do. Uh, the two cows with the new calves were hitched to the cart, whatever, and, and the cows were in the, the calves were in the barn. The Ark of the Covenant and the chest containing the gold rats and tumors were placed in the Ark. Sure enough, the cows went straight across the road. They headed to Jerusalem or whatever. They headed to the land of Israel. The people of Beth Shemesh were reaping wheat in the valley. When they saw the Ark, they went wild with joy. Well, I guess so. The cart came into the field of a man named Joshua. And stopped beside a large rock so the people broke up the wood and the cart for a fire and killed the cows, sacrificed them as the burnt offering. Several men from the tribe of Levi, that's good. They're supposed to. Only the Levites can do this. <clears throat> oh, containing the gold rats and the tumors and whatever from the cart and they laid them on the rock. Many burnt sacrifices that day. Okay. And anyway, notice what happened. The, the five Philistine mayors. they watched for a while. They returned home that day. <laughs> they saw this whole thing. The five gold models of tumors which had been sent to the Philistines as guilt offerings were uh, given to the Lord from the mayors of the capital of these cities. There's five cities. The gold gold rats were to placate for the other Philistine cities, both the fortified and the countries, all this kind of good stuff. Okay, now, you have a note here that uh, same thing happened with Aaron's sons here. Some guys, look what they did. The Lord killed 70 of the men from Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark. Now, this happened before. They say, man, God's being tough. You've got to understand, you know, God's holy. And this points back to Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was broken from top to bottom. And now we have what's today is all of us can go in there. But at this time, they couldn't. And notice what what they said. They said, who can stand before Jehovah, this holy God? They cried out. Where can we send the ark from here? So they sent messengers to this town and told, the Philist- uh, told them that the Philistines had brought the ark back. And they said, hey, come get it. Now, during David's time, David tried to bring this ark back up, and it was about to fall, and one of David's men tried to catch it, and he died. But now the ark stayed at this fellow's house. They were scared of it, and David didn't want to mess with it either. Guess what happened to the guy's house that it stayed at? He was totally blessed. That ark stayed there for six months. And I mean, I mean, his whole life was completely blessed. What do we have today? You got the same thing. Same thing. belongs to us. Now, the men at this town, they came and took the ark to the hillside of the home of Abinadab and installed his son, Eliezer, to be in charge of it. The ark remained there for 20 years. During that time, all Israel was in sorrow because the Lord had seemingly abandoned them. Oh, really? Watch this. Samuel said to them, if you're really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of, there it is, your foreign gods and your Ashtaroth idols. Determined to obey the Lord, then He'll rescue you from the Philistines. Now, you've got to understand that this was the most pressing problem, but it could be any problem. I mean, Israel's shaking in their boots, thinking we're going to be run over by another mob of people. And Samuel says, here's what you do. Now, let's just see if this is what's going to take place. Yeah. Samuel said, come to Mizpah, all of you, and I'll pray to the Lord for you. Now, why is he going to pray to them? They're in trouble. So they gathered there in great ceremony. They drew water from the well, poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food as a day of sorrow for their sins. So it was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. Remember, he was a little fellow. Now he's gotten to be older. The Philistine Philistine leaders heard about the great crowds at Mizpah. They mobilized their army and advanced. Man, they are toast. Israel's in trouble. Israel's badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Plead with God to save us. They begged Samuel. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering and pleaded with him to do what? Help Israel. Now again, why do we have the details? This battle's come and gone. It's over with. Because you and I face battles. This is a no-brainer. Praise the Lord. We're going to do the same thing. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived for battle. Now, hold it. We're having church right now. Wait just a minute. We're not ready. Oh, it don't matter. That don't matter. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven, and they were thrown into confusion. The Israels rooted them and chased them from Mizpah to Bethkar, killing them along the way. Along, uh, anyway, along the way. Samuel took a stone. Here we go. Watch this. Placed it between Mizpah and, just, and named it Ebenezer. How many times have we ever heard the word Ebenezer? What does it mean? the stone of help. Every time you watch the Christmas carol, you should remember Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer means what? The stone of help. Who's he going to help? Oh, he's going to help. Grace, he won't help the rest of us. No, Ebenezer, the stone of help. He will help me. He will help me. Now we could be like Jesus said. They can take the stone that the builders had selected and just pitch it. It's the cornerstone. I'm not pitching it. He is our help. Look at this. For the Lord certainly helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel at that time because the Lord was against them throughout the remainder of Samuel's lifetime. Praise the Lord. The Israeli cities between Ekron and Gath had been captured by the Philistines and were now returned to Israel. Wow! Man, they got their property back. The Israeli army rescued them from their Philistine captors and there was peace between Israel and the Ammonites in those days. Isn't this a great history lesson, but it doesn't affect us? Yes, it does. It's all ours. This is what our God does for us. Samuel continued to, uh, as, a, as, as Israel's judge, the remainder of his life. He rode circuit annually, setting up courts in these, these towns. Okay, now, I want to speed ahead just a little more, we're going to stop. In his old age, he appointed his sons. But I tell you what, it went down fast. His sons were crooks, just like Eli's. They weren't doing the right thing. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, they held court in Beersheba. Well, they must have been drinking. I'm just teasing. But anyway, but they were not like their father. They were greedy for money. Now, this is all setting up something I want us to see. And I'm going to close right here. Watch this. When we started out with Jesus, he's a king, his kingdom. Finally, the leaders of Israel met with Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. They told him since his retirement, things hadn't been the same. His sons were not good men. Look at this. Give us... A king. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles is all about the kings of Israel leading up to a king that's coming and that's the king that Jesus is for you and I today. Give us a king, they replied. Samuel was terribly upset and he went to the Lord for advice. Do as they say. Now remember who just saved them? Jesus did. The Lord did. That battle one thing they are, excuse me, I am the one, this is Jesus, I am the one they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Well, anyway, God still got involved and He says, hey, there's a guy I want you to get. And that was Saul, but Saul didn't honor the Lord. But then what happened? Immediately, David. And everything you hear about Jesus is, oh son of David, have mercy on me. And all the details we have about David. And all the details we have about David are what? Continually saving us. David wrote the twenty-third Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, except on Fridays I have to lay down it. At- no, it's never, praise the Lord. And you could see when Hophni and Phinehas, they lost their lives. Eli, his temple, it was just going down to pot. But little bitty who? Samuel said, ain't the way you do business. Mm -mm. And Samuel started out from beginning to end and got these people out of trouble. But anyway, he says, I'm the one they rejected. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they continually forsake me, following other gods. Now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but warn them what a king's going to be like. In other words, he's going to enlist your kids. You know, he's going to conscript your your sons, make them run before his chariots and all this kind of stuff. He's going to, it's going to wind up being slave labor. He's going to take your daughters, force them to cook for him and all this kind of stuff. He's going to take your vineyards, da, 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 All this kind of stuff. But anyway, even still, they refused to listen to Samuel's warnings. We still want a king, they said, and we want to be like the nations around us. He'll govern us and lead us into battle. Anyway, that Samuel told the Lord what the people said, and the Lord replied, "Do as they say and give them a king." And so he sent them home. And I'm going to stop here. But you know the story: the first king is Saul, and he immediately, while he's in office, the next chapter is well, two chapters after that's when Samuel, the little bitty guy with Ephah on, you know, the little robe, but he's already grown up now, he sent to, to Jesse's house and says, "God sent me down here to anoint one of your kids," and it was David. David. But what's supposed to be happening to us? We're not supposed to be falling apart. Praise the Lord. No. Father, we thank you, Lord, today that by your stripes we're healed. If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of that. Just like those Philistines, they were covered up with hemorrhoids. What's all that about? You'll take care of us if we have problems. Or even a plague breaking out, we're free. You'll help us out, Lord. If it's not sickness, it could be financial or whatever. You'll just take care of us. You just—we just read here a moment ago that you'll have prosperity for all of us, and that's not when we get to heaven. That's now, Father. If there's some other problem, whatever it may be, it's just bothering any of us in this room, Lord. I think you you'll take care of that too, and Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to tell others that Jesus is Lord and tell them what He's doing for us, and let everybody know there's only one God in this world, and that's You. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay.